All right. Hey, we uh, obviously we cover a lot of people who sit on the bikes and things uh, on our uh, podcast channel here. But uh, today we've got someone different. She puts people on the bikes and uh, helps out wherever she can, which seems to be absolutely everywhere these days. Um, I have got none other than Courtney Lloyd on the phone today. Courtney, thank you very much for chatting with us. Hi, William. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I like how you uh, keep it classy. Call me William. <laughs> You're a classy guy. <laughs> hey, um... You have done a whole bunch of things since we've spoken last, so we're going to have to uh, kind of pick away at these things. Um, We can kind of meander all over the place because I'm sure we will once we get uh, hitting on some of these places you've been. But speaking of where you've been, where are you right now? Right now I'm at work at Cycle North in Prince George, um, getting geared up for Christmas. So we're like, yeah, we're taking a really long break this year, which is nice. I think we have like nine days off. So I'm just trying to get all my stuff done so I don't have to do anything work-related when I'm off. I can just drink rosé and hang out with my family and not not be at the shop. Very, It'll be nice. What's, uh, what shops do you have going up there now? What, uh, what Do you still have the same two, or what do you have going on up there? Uh, we just have Cycle North up here. Right. Um, we sell, I think we have 17 product lines now. We bought another dealership last year, but we just merged it into this one. Okay. So we didn't keep it separate. We just blended it with this one. And built a new service department and just learning more kind of marine stuff which I'm old and I don't feel like learning new things so it's been a little trying for me but I'm trying my best you know I was gonna if say it's not dirt bike related I'm not as interested in it I can't lie but I was gonna say wasn't that the other dealership you bought was that kind of a, a marine one that was more of a boat place yeah so it was kind of our biggest marine dealer in town and then also they were the Suzuki dealer in town oh, okay so now um after you know making fun of Suzuki's for 20 some years I have to now sell them so I'm trying <laughs> to retrain my brain to like not pick on the yellow bikes because now I sell the yellow bikes uh, well you're a big rocks and you're a big rocks and fan anyway I am yeah I am that's actually I'm actually pumped on that and Kyle Springman always says to me he's like we're gonna make Suzuki's great again me you and rocks and that we just laugh about it so it's um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's good timing to have Roxon on them. Me, you, and Roxon. <laughs> Me, you, and Roxon. Kyle Springman and Ken Roxon. I mean, is there a better duo? I'll tell you what, Kyle Springman, although he's not racing anymore these days that I've seen, his name is coming up an awful lot in my uh, interviews I've done lately. I think he's, like, everyone's favorite person. There's not a... <laughs> him and his dad, Ruben, are, like, the people that I seek out at the track, and obviously Rachel, because she's my best friend, but it's, like... Kyle can just make anyone crack up, and he's funny, and he's knowledgeable, too, so, like, everyone goes to him for stuff. Right, right, yeah, he's, he's, he's good people, and he'll be down in uh, California with Parker Eels uh, this, uh, for the Supercross, too. Yeah, I think they're actually heading down this weekend, from what he told me. Okay, nice. They're going to go to Erky's. What's that? Urquhart's. Oh, right, We're going to go to Erky's place, yeah. That's right, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to stop in there when uh, when I'm down there, too, so... Go see how yeah. it's coming along. Hey, so what uh, are you? I mean, I was out there at your place, uh, man, many years ago now, it seems. I think, um, was Jess Pettis walking at that point? Was he on two feet or was he still crawling? Well, he was riding a snowmobile, so I'd assume he was old enough to walk. But <laughs> he would have been still pretty young, hey, when we rode sleds that day? <laughs> yeah, it was. And I remember. He was probably, God, 12. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty. He wasn't driving. I don't know. In my brain, he's still like an eight-year-old child, so he's he's a man now. But he'll always be little Jess to me. Yeah, I know. It's do you still call him Jesse anymore? I do, but I think I'm supposed to call him Jess. But when I see him, it's Jesse. 
Right, right. I know when I, I first when I first met him, it was always Jesse too back in the day. Yeah. All right. Well, that um, was a hundred years ago as well, Billy. True. <laughs> true. I know it's funny. Everybody else seems to be aging, and then you don't think you are yourself, and then you look in a mirror and it's like, oh my god, I guess I was way off. Oh, I know. I hear you. <laughs> I think I'm as young as all these kids until I like. It's the Monday after Walt, and then I look at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, oof, nope, <laughs> I cannot keep up with these kids. No way. <laughs> well, I've got to keep moving around here in my chair because I threw my back out, lifting my gravel bike onto a different hook in the garage. Oh, Billy. Yeah, You're yeah. You're falling apart, man. Oh, it's it's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but sorry, I bring up, I bring up that, uh, that snowmobile kind of thing because... I remember, like, you know, you talk to people here in Ontario that, uh, you know, sell two, three, four snowmobiles, and then you have this snow check thing out there. Have you gone, is that still just as crazy as ever out there? Yeah. So, snow check is where, like, guys can pre order their players' snowmobiles. We've ordered them in April, and then they normally come in, like, October, November. This year, they've been quite late, actually, with them. So, we're waiting for quite a few of them, but we get about 200 snow checks a year where people pre order their sleds and then pick them up in the fall and either. 200 yeah trade in 200 that's a lot yeah i'm sorry for anybody the sledding community is huge up here though and then we're a hub right because prince george is like in the middle of nowhere and then there's a whole bunch of middle of nowhere littler towns surrounding us so we're kind of like a shopping hub for a lot of people so it's a big population that we cover it's not just prince george all right but either way anyway you slice it man 200 is incredible yeah it is how is the, uh, just before we started here, I was talking about how we're expecting a weird mix of freezing rain and snow and wind and everything here tomorrow here in southwestern Ontario. But how is the snow up there? And you guys are, I know I said this before and you're not, you, so I think it was you correcting me. You're not quite dead center of Prince of, uh, of BC province, but you're darn close. How, how is the weather there? Um, yeah, the dead center is about an hour west of here. I wouldn't have corrected you on that. I don't know who did, but it definitely oh. wouldn't have been me. But <laughs> Um, it's been good. We had a cold snap last week, and now a lot of guys went out sledding, and we didn't have much of a base for them. But we got some heavy snow last weekend, so this weekend will be like the first big, big snowmobiling weekend. The mountains have lots of snow. There's a good base in the tree wells and stuff. So, yeah, I think it'll be... I mean, we love snow for our business. I know a lot of people hate it, but we really do love it. <laughs> we need it. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, hey, we're Canadian, man. You can't uh, you can't complain too much about snow. I mean, the problem with us here lately is we don't get really enough snow to do anything with. You know what I mean? It used to be cool when we got tons of snow, so you sled. There was some small ski hills, but now you just get enough to just kind of make driving crappy. Right. Yeah, that's not fun. Yeah. You take any uh, any noobs out on the sleds? I remember you took me out without any instruction to, on big mountain snowmobiling, and I turned to the right and went straight left into a tree well. <laughs> <laughs> You blew right off the trail. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I wish we had a camera with us that day, but I think it was so long ago that wasn't really a thing. No, but, like, you should have drawn it. You could have oh, drawn man. etched it. Yeah, you that guys just wild. laughed. Just... I was stuck head first well, in the yeah, well, <laughs> I think I said, are you okay? And then you said yes, and then I laughed in your face. Because <laughs> well, no. you literally were supposed to turn, and you just went straight. Like, you just blew straight off the groom's path. It was hilarious. Well, I wasn't completely groomed. Nobody told me you leaned the other way, and I'm like, oh, that was so counterintuitive to me. I'm so used to trails in Ontario and stuff. So anyway, it was fun. <laughs> Oh, that was great. Uh, all right, so, okay, so a ton of stuff has been going on. You've been uh, jet-setting all over the place. I mean, you're the, uh, what, what's what's your official title there at the Club MX World Supercross? You and, uh, do you have to call him Woo Hottie? Uh, do you have to call Scott, no. <laughs> you, you don't have to call Scott Jeffrey Woo Hottie? 
No, I don't have to. No, I, I actually probably never have, if I'm being totally honest. I you, think that crosses boundaries, Willie. Well, you know, I don't think I'm allowed to say that. Well, you know, his kids he made was him. Technically, a, my boss. They made his Instagram know? thing, and that's what they called him, right? So it's just kind of a funny thing. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was the team manager for Club MX for World Supercross. So that was a super big honor that they asked me to do it. Um, they have a lot of stuff going on at club, like with their outdoor program, their supercross program, their training facility, and then with world supercross. So, um, Scott and Brandon asked me to come on board for world supercross, which was amazing. It was a great experience. Um, busy, like it was a lot of traveling, a lot of different time zones in a very short period of time, but it's pretty rad to be a part of the very first, you know, season of it and to to get to represent club and and help those guys kind of get because international events are a lot different than domestic events there's a lot more coordination and stuff that goes on so it was really it made me really proud that they would ask me to come on board for it for sure right well that's that's the kind of thing i want to talk to you about like what what uh, what actually did that entail and what was your you know what fell under your duties and stuff like that like i mean bikes and stuff like that what, what were the guys riding everything is shipped or what uh how, how like what what all did you have to do so essentially the club guys themselves picked the riders and then they built their like they already have their bikes built there they've got their motors and stuff done they've got so it was just a matter of um getting their suspension everything dialed in for supercross and then my role was to coordinate basically everything else so the shipping timeline the carnet sheets the fuel the oil the hotels, the flights, the rental cars, you know, food, pretty much everything, food race day, food at the house. Um, we had an Airbnb in Wales, which was right across the street from the stadium. It was awesome. It was so close. Um, the biggest thing is fluids, like oils, gas, that kind of stuff, trying to get them shipped overseas, making sure the bikes, the bikes have the proper maps in them. But because it's an FIM event, you can't run the normal fuel that they run say in the states that they'll, they'll run it like their ama stuff so making sure that just communicating with the engine builder and like i sent them the fuel information but i don't really know what how to read half of it because <laughs> it's all like you know there's a lot of numbers and stuff involved so right. just making sure that the engine builder had the right map in the bikes when they left and then dialing that he actually came to cardiff so um jamie from twisted development came there and actually you know remapped them a little bit because it was obviously a little bit different right. once we got there and stuff. And yeah, and then repacking everything, redoing the carnet sheets, reboxing everything up to ship it to Melbourne. So it was a lot of um, sit around and wait. And then a lot of like, we have to do a lot of things in a short period of time. <laughs> like, so it was really, it was stressful for sure. Like, I won't lie. It was definitely, you know, trying to prove myself on a world stage and then prove myself to club and prove myself to the riders, especially Phil. And, you know, just making sure that I had everything that I was in charge of handled so that everything else could run smoothly as well. Cause the documentation, the paperwork, all that stuff, having the proper visas to enter the countries with the riders and the mechanics, having that all filled out down to FIM licenses. Like it's a, it's a ton of paperwork and it's a ton of like, checklist just making sure everything on the checklist is ready to go and then having to do it all over the next weekend um whereas like for donations it's it's once a year so i kind of was like once it was done it was done whereas this was like oh yeah we have to do this again like next weekend so 
you know. Right. Well, I, I guess it kind of, I mean, that's obviously one of your strengths, too. I mean, obviously, the times you did the motocross of nations, the uh, the accommodations and the, all that kind of stuff was just uh, top notch. Absolutely. I mean, you, you touched on a whole bunch of things in there that I kind of I wanted to uh, kind of branch off and break down a little bit. You oh, mentioned um, you mentioned Airbnb and stuff. You didn't say the word castle. I couldn't find a castle in Wales that was close. Well, actually, there was a castle right in the middle of town, but it didn't have a roof, so I don't think that we were really supposed to stay there. Um, yeah, but I couldn't find a castle like I did for Matterly for this exper- experience. But it was a really cool old... Um, it was actually one of the oldest buildings in Cardiff. And oh, cool. If you talk to Phil, it had like 10,000 stairs that he had to walk up and it annoyed him. But Did you just say if I talk to Phil? (laughs) Okay, if you talk to someone who talks to Phil, (laughs) (laughs) he'll say it had too many stairs. But my room was just on like the third floor, so I was fine. But there was probably six levels in this old, cool, like old mansion type house. So it was pretty neat to stay in something like that. Like the artwork was really cool and just the old staircase and stuff and... Yeah, it was really, really neat where we stayed, to be honest with you. Okay, now how about, uh, how, how did your team perform? It was everything kind of what you hoped for? I mean, I think, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, we could talk about the, the series itself and how, you know, two rounds, a lot of, you know, obviously online, people kind of critique it a wee bit there and stuff like that. And it was obviously, yeah. I don't, had they not had Eli and Ken there, I don't know if it would have, well, it wouldn't have had the same feel, obviously. But uh, you guys there, how was your team and everything? Did you guys do okay? And were you happy with performance-wise and everything? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think we knew necessarily going into it what to expect um, because the format was just so crazy fast. Like, the racing was just back-to-back. The hard thing when the format is that quick, you don't really know where the points are going into the next race. It's just like, I don't know where you need to end up. I don't... so. It was so it's such pandemonium the the first weekend or the first race night in Cardiff that I think it was just like <laughs> just kind of survival mode really, and the only thing that we had a, uh, quite a few issues with was we had some bike issues like so for Jace for example he qualified first, um, and then he DNF'd I think two out of the three motos. Yeah. The backup bikes, because you're only allowed to have one backup bike per class, you have to kind of set it up somewhere in the middle so that either rider can ride it. Ah, uh, gotcha. So when Jace had to go out riding the backup bike, he's like, oh, my God, that was terrifying because it's not set up for them. It's set up somewhere in between the two riders. Yeah, that makes sense. And that makes it hard. It's like if you had to get into a rental car and drive on the scariest part of the highway, like it's not set up, your mirrors are in the right place, like it's not an ideal situation, the backup bike situation. And then for them, it's scary because they spend weeks and weeks testing and they're, they like their stuff perfect. All these riders do. And then you're in the middle of a stressful race. You just DNS for whatever that looks like, whatever happened. Then you jump on this random bike and it doesn't have the right bars. It doesn't have the right suspension, but then you're still expected to go out there and win (laughs) or like do your best. And, so I think just that first weekend, just trying to figure out like a better plan for the next weekend. It that's all that first round was for us. Like right. let's just get through it. I mean, we realistically were one of the only teams that still had four riders at the end of the night after Wales, after Cardiff, huh. because there was so many injuries. There was so many um, people that had gotten hurt that weren't going to the second round. So I mean. That was that made us feel good because we weren't trying to find a fill-in rider like everyone else's team had to find a fill-in rider, reset up the bikes. We 
we had it ready. We just had to get the bikes fixed and get the parts that we needed for when the bikes got to Melbourne. So I think we did have a bit of an advantage that way. Was that, was that, um, were the tracks, was that track in particular weird or was this just people rushing into doing Supercross or what do you think, uh, you know, they get people all that, that many people getting hurt? I think it was an assortment. I think, I think it was like, because it was so fast paced, people were just like, people were going crazy. Like they didn't care who was in their way. It was really hard to pass on that track. So I feel like they almost had to just kill each other to get by. And I also feel because the payout was so high for those classes, especially the 450 class, like there's big money on the line. And these guys like big money, you know, that's why they're there. They want to make money. Right. And because the purse was so high, I think it was just like, I will kill you <laughs> for a third place or a fifth place or, you know. And so I think that was part of it. But also like there was nails in the dirt at the track. So a lot of people got flat tires. So I, I do think the track had something to do with it. <laughs> But I also think it was the pace and the, the amount of adrenaline. Like, nobody had time to calm down. You had 30 seconds from when the checker dropped. No, I'm sorry. You had one minute from when the checker dropped for the guy that won the first moto till gate drop of the second. Like, Bogle told me a story that he didn't even have time to put his to put dry gloves on because the gate was dropping. So it was, and I think then the adrenaline's just pumping and guys aren't really thinking clearly. And then it just turns into absolute pandemonium. Like, it felt like pandemonium well, okay. behind the gates and in the, kind of the mechanics area. People just running for wheels and tools and spare bikes just, like, <laughs> flying everywhere. Like, it was just, I've never seen anything like it. It was crazy. Well, see, I think this is where the there's a bit of a, in my opinion, a bit of an issue, too, because... People like Supercross because there's a main event. Someone finishes third, they finished third. We have a winner at the end of the night. We have a sixth-place guy. Motocross, I feel sometimes we have a problem because people are like, okay, he was seventh in the first one. Now he's leading. What what does that mean? I, I feel like mm -hmm. a main event is good. Do you think like that format was kind of weird, I would say, obviously, and I can't imagine riders enjoyed it. Having more of a gap, like they did fix it for Melbourne. So they did give it, I think they did a five minute in between. So the announcers had time like on the floor to calculate points in their head. And we had time to calculate like, okay, Jace, you need to be here if you want to end up here. And it, I think it did get a lot better. From what I was told by a lot of the fans that came by our pit after, they, they were like, that was awesome. There was no lull, like the action, it was action packed. And I'm like, I guess. So there's like, there's a balance that needs to be found between like keeping it exciting for the fans, but also like <laughs> making it so that the riders can actually get to staging and like have a drink of water and have a bit of a breath. So I think like, you know, like when you're watching Supercross, especially in Canada, because it's streamed, you're like watching the skid steer groom the track, and it's like, <laughs> okay, I've lost my excitement. So I think there's a balance between that, but then also like the craziness of what World Supercross was. There has to be something in between. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, all the fans were pumped. They're like, oh my God, that was so sick. Like, ever, there's carnage. And as a team manager, you don't want carnage. But then I put my, you know, fan hat on. And I'm like, I kind of like, I like watching NASCAR when there's carnage and I like, it's bad, but I do. It's exciting. 
See, my thing so I is... Can, I can understand that side of it. Well, yeah, you kind of joked about that whole skid steer thing. I think that's funny because I love those lulls because it gives me a chance to uh, actually do more at the... Because well, I'm usually at the races, so I kind of enjoy those lulls. But uh, yeah, I guess if you're at home and you're watching the skid steer pack oh, a corner... Oh, so boring. That is pretty funny. Like, you get up, you mix a drink, you turn around and the skid steer's still and all you can hear is the beeping and it's just like, oh, well, that's a... The adrenaline that was going through my body during the race has been completely depleted and now it's just boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. Okay, so that so that's uh, Wales, and then what? Uh, I mean, I keep you know, if you check out uh, Courtney Lloyd on Instagram, there are uh, a lot of selfies with you and people in various parts of the world. So it's always kind of fun to see who you're uh, hanging out with. What uh, what did yeah. you get? What did you get to do next? Because we got two more things. So I went from Wales, and we had to go to Australia. What happened between those two? So in between, I came home. Okay. Um, I feel like it might have been Halloween in between there, right? I think. Oh, I should have done my homework. Anyways, I came home. <laughs> um, and actually, yes, it was Halloween. So I went out to the lake. We did Halloween with my nieces and nephews and stuff and did the trick-or-treating thing. Then I went to Melbourne. And Melbourne was awesome. Like, it was such a long flight, but it was so worth it when we got there. Like, this, the Marvel Stadium is insane. It's beautiful. It's massive. Mm. Um Went to the zoo. Me and Ryan Brees' wife, we took off to the zoo the one day. And so that was fun that we got to do a little bit of, like, sightseeing and stuff. Because in Cardiff, I didn't... I was so stressed out in Cardiff that I didn't really do anything. I just <laughs> did what I was supposed to do, went home, and I kind of regretted that. So when I went to Melbourne, I uh, I went to the zoo, and then we went to the mall and got some groceries and stuff. And just kind of did more normal race day things. And the stadium was about a 10 minute walk from our hotel. It was about a five minute drive, but there was a lot of construction. So we ended up walking most of the time. Um, lots of really neat like bars and restaurants all along the canal. The, the hotel that we stayed on was right on the river. Cool. So, and yeah, the vibe was just better. I feel like everyone in the pits and stuff had a little bit better of an idea of like what we were supposed to be doing and what to expect. and. Even little things like just unpacking the crates, I think, went smoother because the crates turned into like your workbench area. So you would you'd unpack everything and then put the drawers back in and then the boys would put their toolboxes and stuff on top. And so just figuring out where exactly in the pit to lay it out better so that the mechanics could get the bikes out, but then the riders could still kind of hang out in there without being in the way. So it felt a lot calmer in Melbourne and it, it was a lot more enjoyable. I can't lie. Okay. Melbourne was like felt stress-free now did there. you did you also spend more time there to do more sightseeing or did you have to turn around time same as before um i actually went early i went one day early to melbourne before all the boys and stuff got there because we had an issue our fuel actually got stuck in hong kong so um our fuel tony alessi's fuel and chad reed's fuel was all stuck in oh wait no that would have been in wales when our fuel was stuck in hong kong no, that was Melbourne. <laughs> but it wasn't Chad's. It was some MBK's uh, fuel. So it all got stuck in Hong Kong. So I had to go early to try and find the right fuel to work with the right map and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So I didn't want Phil and them to show up. And then I was like a total stress case. So I ended up changing my flight and just going a day early. So that was kind of nice. I could get kind of everything sorted out. Um, we had to get a bunch more Motul stuff, so I took a cab out to a dealership there that I had found online and got some, got all of our fluids and everything because we can't ship that stuff in the crates. You have to get it all when you get there. Right. So, like, the brake clean and the chain lube and everything, I went and got that when I got there, and then 
picked up the rental car and then they all got there the next day and we had a team dinner and stuff and kind of went over strategy a little bit like if you know like they kind of had said that they didn't want to ride the backup bike if they had to <laughs> if they have a dnf they don't want to ride it hmm. um so just kind of talk about strategy like if that's a good idea or like where if you're sitting in the points where when will you ride it or when will we just say like no it's not safe so just kind of going over that kind of stuff um having kind of bigger conversations i think from from what happened in cardiff to to melbourne so i think it felt more like a team in melbourne to be honest with you because we all actually had to like we had something to compare it to like with whales it could be like, okay, so this happened. How should we handle this? Whereas kind of in Cardiff, it was just we were all going in blind together. Well, that might have been the same with the organizers and stuff too, right? I mean, that's where they're from. So did it feel everything was just a little more organized perhaps and uh, bigger crowds or was it uh, same or how, how was it in Australia? The crowds felt bigger in Cardiff, but I think that's because the town itself had shut down all the streets. So the fans were like in the street. Oh, and they had an autograph session out front with kind of like in like a merch trailer, you know, where they sell T-shirts and stuff. But they got all the boys to come out of the stadium and walk through the crowd and go up into this T-shirt thing. Huh. And the yelling from the crowd and the horns and it was insane. The greeting that all the riders got from the fans in Cardiff outside in the city. Like it was it was crazy. So in, it's hard to compare it. I, Melbourne was a really big stadium, too. Like it was huge. Right. So there probably was about the same amount of fans, but it just because Marvel Stadium was so much bigger than the Cardiff Stadium, it looked more spaced out, I would say. All right. And track, I would get your guys happy with the track and the four, you mentioned uh, they adjusted the format a little bit of time between, but uh, it was still increasing in length and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the track, the footprint was bigger. Um, so there was more like places to pass. I think everyone, because it was like, a lot of people had gotten hurt in Cardiff. I think people kind of mellowed out a little bit. Right. It was like, people were like, okay, <laughs> we got to at least finish. So um, Jace had a couple broken shocks that night. So that was kind of disappointing. There was, yeah. So just kind of some weird stuff that had happened, but all in all, I think the boys were, were happy with the track and the organization from the promoter and stuff. I think they were just a little bit disappointed in like not finishing a couple of the, the motos that they were supposed to be in and then Phil ended up um he actually got clipped and it gashed his arm open so he was going by we could see him and his white jersey he was wearing was full of like filling up with blood <laughs> and I thought it was because he actually had crashed earlier in the night but when I met him over at the medic thing he was like no this actually happened before I crashed but you could just see his white jersey so it was him Bogle and Alex Ray all in the medic thing together Jeez. so that kind of sucked for Phil um, and then, yeah, Cade had a really good night in Melbourne. I was really proud of Cade. He rode so good, and he was so consistent, and he didn't crash or get, you know, loopy like he can. Um, yeah, and then Grant was just always consistent. Like, you never you never heard much from Grant Harlan. You never, he never really asked for much or said much. He was such a pleasure to work with. Um, and he was just really consistent, like, the whole time. You know, he... He just did, I think, what he was supposed to do. And, yeah, I never met him until this this weekend or that weekend and um, working with him. And he was, yeah, he's an awesome kid. Really nice. Awesome. Okay. All right. Now, okay, so... Uh, that was, I mean, only two rounds, but then there was the cha- that was that was the championship. So, I mean, that... Uh, what's the after party like? 
Oh, the after party was awesome. <laughs> it actually was on our schedule. It said after party, like 10 p.m. until late. There was no actually closing time. So, um, yeah, it was great. They had like open bar for the after party for everyone, but we were at the stadium too late packing up and stuff. But then we met up there after and it was just a blast. They had like a DJ. They had it was up on a rooftop. It was just all the people oh. from the series. And then like they had like some fans up there, too. And. It was so fun. I don't know what time I got back, William. I truly don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we were cleaning up, sorry? I was just going to say, I mean, Australia is about as far away as you can go. Did you spend some time afterwards and do some sightseeing, or did you have to get back home? Um, I had to get back home. So I ended up, well, everyone else left on the Sunday, and then me and Sasha and Reese, we stayed until the Monday, actually at both rounds, just in case there was an issue with the crates or anything like that, or if they didn't pass the cleaning inspection. Um, we wanted to be there just to make sure, because remember when the bikes came home from England at Donations and they got stuck at Customs? I was just going to say, wow, out. I thought it was too soon to talk about the dirty bikes. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I was like, we need to stay just in case they don't pass inspection because I've had bikes confiscated for 90 days before and it is very expensive. <laughs> so we, um, yeah, all was good though. And then, yeah, we kind of just toured around and then we all flew out on the Monday and kind of nice to have an extra day. Like in Cardiff, we went to the castle that was in the city and toured around there and went for lunch and stuff. And it was, and then Melbourne, same thing. We just kind of, hung out went for a nice meal it was so calm like with with everyone gone it was just the three of us it was just like mellow which was nice it's kind of what we needed and then Sasha flew back to Germany and then uh Reese is now living in Pemberton so he's out west now oh, so yeah. he flew back to Vancouver and then I flew back to PG well I just realized you said Sasha the guy who's been helping out the team Canada and stuff for years yeah yeah nice so he yeah, when I got the job at club, I obviously, because Sasha has helped me with donations every single year that I've done it, and he's just such a good contact to have, and he works so hard, and he, like, just knows what needs to be done. So um, it just turned out that he was able to get away from, because he owns a couple businesses. Like, he's super busy now. It's not like when we were 20 and we could just, like, leave and go do whatever we want. So he actually, he could be gone, which was nice, so... It was so awesome to see him because I hadn't seen him obviously since COVID and yeah, he came to help us out and was a total asset to the team. So that was, that was nice. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Okay. Okay. So now, boy, but your, uh, your jet setting doesn't stop there, does it? <laughs> <laughs> now, so I, I, again, I'm not looking at a calendar. I can't remember what the actual dates were, but then Paris was next. Courtney, so what, uh, what's, what's going on there? You and uh, Jace, right? I was, uh, talk, talk about that one. How, yeah. Between there, what, did, what um, happened next? So originally, like a few months before World Supercross, I was talking to Eric Pernard and he's like, you really should come to Paris Supercross. And I was like, yeah, I've never, I've never been there before. I've always wanted to go. Um, so we kind of made a plan for me to go. And then when the World Supercross thing came up, it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to go to Paris and then when I was in Cardiff I was asking Jace I said are you racing Paris this year and he's like yeah I'm gonna go and I was like oh sweet I'm gonna go too so kind of we had like our little team back together and me and Jace um went to Paris and then Ben who's Chad Reed's mechanic he Jace needed a mechanic for it so he ended up coming and we had like a little little Jace team there and Josh Carrade ended up actually coming too 
Yeah, I saw so that. What was Josh doing there? Like, what was Josh doing there? He just wanted. He was just coming to support Jace. He hadn't, you know, traveled in a bit, and he Jace was originally going by himself. So Josh was like, "I'll go with you." And you know, the team like they're the bit of a language barrier with the team. So at least, like Josh said, Jace would have someone to hang out with and go for meals and stuff with, and just make it more comfortable for him. So then when we all, all four of us were together, it was, it was like, we were like team Jace and it was super, super fun. And I've helped Jace get some deals in the past. And, you know, I met Jace actually at German Supercross when me and Ross were over there. So I've known Jace for, well, that's probably eight or nine years ago. And we've always just stayed in touch and stuff. So it was just super fun to go travel with them. And then uh, Pettis was in Germany racing and he ended up getting landed on, so he didn't, but then he was touring around Europe, so then he came to Paris to meet us. He wasn't <laughs> racing there, but then we went and did like the whole tourist extravaganza, Perfect. all of us, so it was super fun. Right. And it was relaxing, because I didn't have to do anything, you know? Oh, so you, you were just kind of there to, to just to be there. You weren't actually in any official? Yeah. No, like I didn't have to do uh, Jace's team. Like we had talked about it and stuff. And I was like, you know, is there anything you need me to do? And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll let you know and stuff. And then they never actually called me for anything. So it was fantastic. I just coordinated like, you know, his mechanic and stuff to go and then some hotels and stuff. And other than that, once I got there, pretty much the work was done. So me and your friend Kate went to the beer garden. A couple oh, of right. times. I saw that selfie. <laughs> I saw that selfie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it was really cool to see her in Boston there because I haven't seen them since they left. Um, so it was really cool. It was just a really fun, like, stress-free end of kind of the the whole fall that I had, which was, yeah, Paris was fantastic because I think because I wasn't there in any huge capacity. Right. So it was really just, like, enjoy it and watch Jace race and watch racing in general, which is what I love to do. Um so it was an Eric treated me like gold. I mean, obviously he hooked me up with passes and stuff like that. And, you know, Jace is a friend. And so we just got to like hang out and have fun. All of us. Blos was there. And I mean, Chris has been up here to do schools a ton of times. So he's a family friend now. And so he was over there. So it was just nice to see everyone and not actually have to like work and stuff really, you know, like just, yeah. just enjoy the races. Absolutely. Now you mentioned just sorry, just for people listening, she's mentioning Canadians. Kate Kowalchuk and Boston Calder, two Canadians who are over there. Boston is with uh, WP Suspension, and Kate's over there. She's uh, she's our direct motocross covering the MXGP series and things over there. So just to throw that out there, just to give people some information on who you who you mentioned there for sure. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Um, well, I don't. I don't remember the dates. Was that like right after Australia, or did you go home? How did that work? I did go home. I was home for about a week, a week and a half. About I got home, and then I left on the Tuesday for Paris. I can just see so, Randy shaking his head. How did Randy take it all? Oh, Randy, I think thought I should be at work. Honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's starting to come around. The reason he gets really mad when I'm gone now is because he has to take care of my dog, and she <laughs> is a jerk, and she chews, and she's one years old. And so he just would phone me, and he'd go, you need to get home. And I'm like, why? Do you miss me? He's like, no, you need to come and get your dog. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Sorry. We're, we're talking about Randy. Uh, this is Courtney's father. We're talking. Did you just, Did you also just say he's starting to come around? <laughs> 
Yeah, like he doesn't get as mad anymore about the race stuff. He used to get really annoyed with me, but the last couple of years, he's he's started to come around my way. He'll like now he'll like listen to things. Like he's like, oh, I listened to Direct Motocross's interview with Tyler, and I'm like, oh wow, Dad. So he's like. He's into it. He just wants me to be more into work, I think, is what would make him really happy. Well, good luck with that. I think he's been, uh, I've heard this argument for several years now. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's one of those things. That's fine. You know what, though? They get annoyed with me when I'm home, and they get annoyed with me when I'm gone. So I just would rather be gone, because either way, it's a lose-lose. Good point. Good point. There you go. So take that, Randy. That's, that's, now she's now she's just trying to stay away on purpose. <laughs> I just want him to take care of my dog. Don't tell him that. <laughs> train it. Maybe somebody needs to train the damn thing, right? <laughs> it's true. She could use, if there's any, like, obedience people out there for dogs, if you could call me, that'd be great. <laughs> Okay, so that that was your uh, that was your globe trotting. Was that uh, was that it? Then you were home, and you've been home since. Yes, that is correct. Okay, well then I guess the slaving the next... away at the dealership, Billy. Sla- like I deserve those vacations for how hard I work here. Right, right. <laughs> we know. Okay, so yeah. the next big thing was the uh, announcement of the uh, the series going jumping all over the place next year, and including BC Place in Vancouver. Yeah. Now, are you are you uh, signed on to be involved with the team again next year? Um, no, I don't know what capacity I want to be involved as far as a team goes for next year. Um, I think because with it being so many rounds, if I didn't do it, if I didn't have my own license, I don't think I'm going to end up working for another team. I think right. it's, I think the two rounds was easy, right? Like it was only two weeks away from the dealership. Although we don't sell Yamaha. It was a big opportunity for me to take it, but I think with it moving into the point where it's going to be like six to ten rounds, I don't want to promote another brand if I'm not going to be selling it at the shop, which I know that sounds crazy because like no one in Melbourne is actually buying a bike here, but it's um, it's really hard to justify. Like For me, it was an awesome experience, and I absolutely loved it. And I love being a team manager, but I do think if I was to do it as a team manager, again, I would want to do it under my own license. <laughs> and as of right now, there's no licenses that are up for sale. Uh, so gotcha. I think I'll just like hang tight until maybe there will be a license for sale or maybe I can help a few teams like on off weekends and stuff. But I don't think I can commit to doing that much work um, for that long. Right. So not only without would you... it being like my own team and my own <laughs> riders and my own gear company and things that I want to support. You know what I mean? Right. So not only would you not be at your your shops, you would be supporting a brand that you don't sell. So there's a, yeah, a couple things there, of course. Yeah. And I think my family was really supportive of it for like those few when there right. was like there was supposed to be three or whatever. But I think if I went to them and I said, hey, like I want to work for club again next year, I'm going to be gone six weeks. And, you know, it's four to five hours a day leading up to the races where you're coordinating stuff and you're trying to figure out the fuel. And it's a lot of a lot of time away from the business even when I'm here so I think just for the commitment level and I'm so full on like I probably it probably doesn't have to take that much but like I'm building spreadsheets I'm a spreadsheeter everyone knows that (laughs) like typing out like the itinerary like down to when the boys need to be like at dinner (laughs) you know like stuff like that so I do it to myself but I can't I can't do shit halfway it's just I'm not built that way so 
I think it's just too much of a commitment for me to give to somebody else's program or somebody else's, say, dealership or company for that many rounds. Right. No, that makes makes perfect sense. All right. Now, I'm assuming you'll uh, make the trip down to Vancouver on the uh, 28th of October to check it out at BC Place, though? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's cool. It's going to come west. I know there's, like, a lot of controversy around it and stuff, but... I think we haven't had a West Coast event in a really long time. And Vancouver is a destination city. And I mean, I've had a lot of like the Seattle people reach out, like all the Washington people are like, oh, we're going to come up to that. It'll be so sick. And like Joey Lancaster has some ideas about like getting like some hotel packages and stuff together for like his Washougal people. And like, I know Ontario has a bigger moto community I think but I also think like out west here people are really going to come around it because we always we don't have events like that out here and we don't have stuff like that that ever comes out west and when I'm at Montreal or I'm at Toronto Supercross I see a ton of people from out west so maybe it's just time for the east coast people to venture out west every once in a while you know yeah, no, and I think, um, obviously, I think the organizers and things obviously see, oh, Vancouver, Canada, man, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Let's uh, let's bring the series there. Let's promote it. And it's just uh, getting people. I mean, did you go to the ones, the Supercross races in Vancouver, or were you too young? <laughs> no, I, was, I wasn't too young. My dad actually went down for the one in 04, I think he said. But I, I didn't go down. I, I don't know what I was doing. I was at the dealership probably, working, Billy. Sweeping. <laughs> sweeping. No, sweeping. Sweeping. Oh, uh, maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I mean, that's... parts on the parts counter. Because the argument that everybody has is that uh, nobody showed up. I mean, it was, I mean, I was at all of them, the ones that were there, because I was still living in Vancouver at the time and everything. And it was, you know, I dragged a few friends to it, and it was pretty sad. I mean, they ended up cutting the stadium in half and just had half, and it was still empty. And... Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just it was just unfortunate. And then there was the after party incident. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's definitely an argument like, you know, if things don't work in the past, should you try them again? But I think there's different ways to promote stuff now and there's different yeah. ways to let people know that an event is happening and and back then I think it was kind of hard like there wasn't a big push for advertising there was but it was like radio and print right and now with social media and with like the the moto community in the west they're all on facebook pages they're all on so like i don't know i think it's just going to be advertised different and i think that it's going to be um promoted different like even in cardiff when we went through the the town like the flags and banners all had ken roxon's face on it walking through town like i had never seen anything like that before and you know, I think there's a bigger moto scene now that Popcom's out there or down there, whereas it was Agassiz maybe before, I think, probably was the only track that was down in that area. Maybe Tawasson. <laughs> oh, they had a track? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Yeah, right by the ferry terminal. Really? Kind of, yeah. What happened to it? Oh, I don't know. I went a few times, and I never saw a race. Well, I did see a race there. That's not true. Uh, I, I, man, your guess is as good as mine. I'm not well, sure. Uh, I what? never knew that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah so, so I don't know. I mean, I think there's the island. There's a bunch of tracks on the island. There's a huge moto scene on the island. There's Popcom. There's Kamloops. Like, there's a huge draw of moto people. And I think even, like all my family and friends who've never even been to a race and they wouldn't go to an outdoor race if their life depended on it like 
they're like, oh, we got to rent a, like, we got to rent, t- like, a suite. We got to get our hotels. Like, two of my friends already booked their hotel right across the street from the stadium for that weekend. Like, oh, nice. I, I think a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily go to an outdoor race want to come to this one. And, yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be bigger than most people think. I mean, is it going to fill BC Place? No. That's a completely unrealistic. I think it holds 60,000 people. And I don't think that that's realistic, <laughs> but you know, I do think there's going to be more people than expected. And I know it's easy to say like, Oh, it didn't work before, but maybe, you know, maybe we can't just always live in the past. Maybe we can't always say like, Oh, that didn't work. Or we tried this and it didn't work. That was 20 years ago. So maybe if it doesn't work this time, then you can tell me it didn't work. But if it's a, something that was put on 20 years ago, that didn't work. I'm not exactly going to take that statistic to heart. No, 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 I agree totally. I mean, it's time to, I mean, like you say, promote it. It's a destination. And I think end of October, I mean, the Coquihalla, I guess it could be pretty bad. But uh, thinking of all the people coming in from the interior out to the coast kind of thing, I mean, that should uh, that should be a lot of people just there. Yeah, and I mean, that's usually when the Arena Cross, the Future West Arena Cross series is held. So, True. I mean, people drive down for that and we all go to Chilliwack and I mean I have to fly into Vancouver to get out to Chilliwack to go to the barn but they they make the trip for that and I think if I you know obviously Newf isn't going to schedule anything that weekend but maybe there's an arena across the weekend before or the weekend after and then people stay down there and do their race and come to the World Supercross or you know whatever that looks like but it's definitely not a crazy time of year to be traveling no for sure not it, again it depends on the year of course out there you never know but Excellent. All right, hey Courtney, I've got a couple more things on my list here to talk to you about. I mean, we're not uh, we're not done yet, but um, I am certainly not going to be typing this, so I don't I don't mind. Uh, what uh, now? I don't what blame are, you. Now we talked a bit about um, briefly, you know, Anaheim one and stuff like that. So next on yours, I mean, you got your Christmas at home and everything. You're shutting down for a little bit, nine days. You mentioned there at the shop and stuff, and then we got a one. You're heading down, right? I am. Yep. Um, I'm going to do, I think I'm going to do New Year's here. I was thinking about maybe going down there early and doing New Year's and stuff down there, but who knows. Um, but yeah, I love A1. I try to make it every year. Um, Fox usually has their pre-line show, um, so we get to go look at the new gear and stuff for the year before. Um, I'm uncertain this year what Fox is doing um, as of right now, so I don't, I'm definitely going to A1. I don't know if it's going to be like with Fox and stuff, but, um, I'm sure I'll see Jackie and JC down there cause they love going to A1 too. So either way, it'll be good. And, um, yeah, a bunch of my friends are going to be racing and Phil's doing West coast this year. So I really want to go down and support him and watch, watch the show. Mm-hmm. I love A1 cause the anticipation is the best. Like you never know where people are sitting. You never know what they've done in the off season. And then you go to A1 and it's, everyone's nervous and everyone's like, you know, a little edgy. It's just the best. There's I only one open, there's only one opening night a year. That's true. <laughs> and it's also fun because, yeah, you mentioned the Fox thing. Then I get to run over between, <laughs> run over from out of the stadium, have a burger with you and JC and Rick Bradshaw. And, yeah, uh, and, uh, and that's the right. <laughs> the grill and chill, they call that. That's the right. The grill and chill. I don't have any time to chill. I grill and then I run out of there. <laughs> snap some yeah, pi- you're always bombing around. I snap some pictures of you having a beverage and a burger and off I go. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that's cool you're going to be there. And uh, like you mentioned, a few people you want to keep an eye on and everything. And then um, 
Uh, again, I'm not done yet to record. Now we're talking, I was just talking about uh, with someone, uh, well, Mike at Club MX actually, about uh, Daniel Elmore. I mean, he's a kid that uh, you've obviously supported and we're trying to figure out what we're going to, what he's going to do next year. Uh, what are you doing for support for riders for next year? Like what, uh, I know you always have people with some Cycle North graphics on their bikes. Uh, what does next year look like for you? I'm trying to sort that out right now. I was actually on the phone with Daniel's mom right before I called you for this. Um, we're trying to get him a little bit more support than what, you know, what I've been able to do in the past. I mean, obviously last year was kind of weird because both of his bikes got stolen right before the first round when right. he was down at club. And so we kind of had to come up with some money to buy him two more bikes, but he'd already done his engines, his suspensions, all that stuff. So he couldn't get that money back. So we ended up doing everything on stock stuff this summer. And I really think Daniel proved himself like to the whole moto community, to Canadian moto, especially like he's a hardworking kid. He's, he's a nice kid. He's a little shy. Like, so when people first meet him, they, I don't think they know what to take of him because he is so shy and so quiet, but he just like puts his head down and he works really hard. And so right now I'm just trying to see what we can do. I mean, I've reached out to Honda, I've reached out to Cowie, I've reached out to Suzuki. Um, I've reached out to a couple of the teams before the season to try and get them on a team. Um, obviously I don't have a pro outdoor program for him. Like that's for what I feel like he deserved. I don't have a rig. I don't have a driver for him. I don't have any of that stuff. So just trying to reach out to other teams for him and see if there was a home for him. And if not, just doing as much as we possibly can on a dealership level to, to get him to the races. He's heading back down to club again here pretty quick. So he does put his own money into his program. He pays to go to club every year. Like he works really, really hard at this. So I would love to do more than what I do for him. It's just realistically as a dealership, it's just hard. It's hard to take that money that I need to put like, to my nieces and nephews college funds and they're going to need cars and so it's hard for me to justify like to my brothers and hey I want to take 50 grand and give it to this kid so he can go racing for a summer so it's a tough spot I I want to help him more than I when than I do it just has to be financially responsible for my family to do so you know Right. So. And I, I talk, uh, well, I stopped in at uh, Club MX on the way here, coming back from Minios and stuff. And Mike Bonacci there, he just, he just loves, he calls him Danny. He just loves Daniel. <laughs> and he's yeah, like, he does. He, they actually, it's funny when I was down there, they all called him Danny and I've never heard him call that at he, home. Yeah. Same yeah here. Down there. He's, he helps out so much when he's down there and like, yeah, he's paying to train there and stuff, but he also just helps. He's just that kid, like just a small town kid. He loves being there. He works really, really hard. He doesn't miss a gym session. He doesn't miss a course. Like they're, they love him down there. Right. And did you did you hear the story about uh, Mike was telling me this one about when uh, when Daniel first got there, he hopped on a bicycle and they, and he left and and he didn't tell anybody. And everybody's like, where the hell is Daniel? He comes back. He rode his bicycle on the sketchy roads all the way to Myrtle Beach, surfed, and then cycled home. It's Are you like, serious? It's like 120 miles or something still. I didn't. It's, it's it's a long way each way. That's unbelievable. Yeah, he came back like don't him to just not tell anyone, just like bolt and come back. Yeah, they're like, uh, there. where were you? Don't ever do that again. You got to tell someone when you leave. And it's, oh, I went to Myrtle <laughs> Beach. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I actually... Yeah, he's fit, man. Like, he... His fitness is crazy, and, like, the work that he puts in, and he's so funny. Like, he won't accept help. And I'm like, Daniel, do you want anything to eat? Do you want, any, you want me to go get you water? He's like, 
no, it's okay. He could be dying of thirst and he wouldn't ask me to get him a drink of water. Like, I have to, like, force him. His friends had to tell me at Walton that he needed paper towel. <laughs> so I went, got him. I'm like, do you need anything from the store? And he's like, no, I'm okay. And then his friend goes, he needs paper towel. I'm like, okay, I can get a paper towel. Like, he just, he won't ask for a thing. Yeah, it's tough, especially in Canadian motor. I mean, shy people always come off a certain way, right? And it's not the way they actually yeah. are, but because he doesn't say anything, people think a certain thing. But there comes a time when you just have to force yourself to, uh, you just have to force yourself to ask for things because he's going to get, yeah. he's going to get left behind and you don't want that kid with his skill and talent and everything. And so I've actually I got know. a, I've actually got a, an interview where he and I are going to do an interview here coming up, actually talk about that. Uh, what's coming up for him, what he's got planned, and what his winter's going to look like, and hopefully what his next oh. summer can look like. So we're going to do that here soon, too. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's a great kid. Their family's awesome. Like, there's four brothers, and then, you know, their mom and dad, and they just, they love racing. And Daniel takes the smaller kids to the track and stuff, and they're always together. Like, you know, Daniel's not out hanging out with the other kids, or he's not, you don't see him hanging off a golf cart and stuff like that. Like, he's <laughs> literally just at his pit cleaning up taking care of his little brother like it's a really cute dynamic that they have and it makes them a little bit different too which I do I do like um but I think it hinders him a little bit too because I think people sometimes forget he's there because he is so quiet and he doesn't put himself in the forefront and you know like I'll be like go talk to Kevin Tyler see if he's got a ride for you and he's like I can't just go talk to Kevin Tyler I'm like why Kevin Tyler's one of the nicest people in the whole wide world like you can go <laughs> and he just won't and so like I have to drag him over to talk to Kev. And, you know, Kev is so easy going, but poor Daniel, he just stands there and he's like, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> he's so shy. But yeah, I wish, I wish more people would notice Daniel. I wish more people would see, you know, how hard he works. And I mean, in saying that too, though, there's not many rides in Canada either. So it's not no, that that's simple. The thing. That's, I mean, that's it's, the thing, right? You start going down the list. He did get, he got fourth overall at the final round at Walton, though, for goodness sake, in the 450 did, class. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, he did. He's got that. Uh, that's his, his final one to look back on. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty solid when you're looking around at teams, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah and you know, like, they're, that's the hard thing. They all deserve a spot, but there's not enough spots. You exactly, know, you look yeah. at, like, I want Tanner to have a good home. I want, you know, Dylan has a good home. Piccolo, Tyler Gibbs, I want to see him get a good ride. Like, and that's what's hard. Just because Daniel rides for me doesn't mean that he, you know, there isn't other kids out there that deserve it too. And it's it's tough. It's tough on the team managers. It's tough on the manufacturers. Like, I'm sure that everyone would want to help out everyone if they could. Right. It's it just like at some point, there's just not enough money and yeah. budget and you don't necessarily have to pay them to ride for you, but it's still the parts, the wear and tear on the bikes. Like, I get it. Well, and, and also the way the world is now, you have to be a, a, a shameless self-promoter, and that's not where Dan... I remember you had a rider who wasn't big on self-promotion, and that became a problem. It did become a problem. Yep, <laughs> it did. So, yeah, you do, I mean... I still love him. I still love Jer Bear. He just, you know, I'm just not so sure Jer Bear loves me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, he's hiding out on the East Coast now, so you're probably not gonna not gonna hear from him for a while. But uh, yeah, that's fair. I know, and that's the thing. Like the sponsors and stuff want you to promote for them, and that's where the money comes from. But a lot of these guys, they don't want to do social media. They don't want to be like on their phones like that. But it's the only way to get the money. So it's a very hard, you know, thing yeah, to it's, navigate because they're there to promote companies, but they don't want to be those shameless promoters. And sometimes I see those athletes, and I'm like, oh so annoying 
like their list of sponsors that's like 10 miles long on Instagram that they just copy and paste it. Right. Like, it's not actually selling anything, but if it gives them the money, then yeah, do it. Yeah. I mean, I tell you, I, I'm on, I'm on Jeremy's side. I, I, uh, I, I wouldn't be doing, I, you wouldn't see me on social media doing stuff if it weren't for direct motocross, that's for sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I that's just, fair. I just, I mean, I'm old too, right? So it's tough to. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hard thing too. Like when I'm in a bad mood, I'm like, oh, I'm going to delete it all. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I got to do cycle north. And then it hooks me back in and then I'm like, okay, I'm back on. I'm yeah. not grumpy anymore. <laughs> but I'm not promoting anything either. Like I'm not sponsored so I don't have to do it if I don't want to and I wouldn't like the feeling I don't think either of like having to do it if someone told me once a week you have to do a post about us I'd be like Ugh, I don't want to <laughs> yeah it takes the fun out of it you know? for sure so hey yeah okay Cardi we're closing in on the hour mark here I got one last thing I have to talk to you about okay <laughs> sorry hey Randy she's taking she's taking a little more of a break here just relax over there <laughs> he doesn't I love that you always think that he still is here. He hasn't been at work in like two years. I know, but I'm sure Old he's... Old Rand Dog. He's probably not he involved. he will listen to this. He's not involved, just like Frank Schuster's not involved. What does that mean? It means they're both totally involved. <laughs> no, Dad's actually not. He's oh, not really? involved at all. He's just our landlord. No, he doesn't have anything to do with the company. Oh, that disappoints me. I know. It's so much funner to think that I'm just a spoiled brat, isn't it? No, not that. I you just like. You don't think that. It's fine. No, I don't think that. That's not the way I was thinking that at all. I just like to think that he's in there yelling at you. No, he yells at us now from his chair at home or the golf course. Oh, okay. Yeah, he still yells about oh, things, but it's just on a different, just not in person. Okay, well, that, that makes me happy. All right, Courtney, last yeah. thing I want to talk to you about, though, is the. Uh, okay. The potential for motocross of nations. I mean, is that still in your? Do you still have that in your sights? Your target? I mean, do you? Is that something you? Would yeah, do? I mean, obviously, until Sunday, I really didn't think it was going to be a possibility. I thought for sure that Carl would would do it again for for this year. Um, so it's it's still news, new news. I mean, I don't think it's any secret that I love doing it and that I wanna I want my team back but it was under circum circumstances and um, I don't know. So I'm very torn. So I, yes, I would love to be nominated and I would love to do it again. But at the same time, like does Canada deserve for me to just move on and Carl to just move on and get someone fresh in and just leave all the drama behind? Because I think no matter if I'm involved for the next five years, I think it's always going to be like, this negativity around it because of the past with me, Carl, Marilyn, the CMA and the CMA and I like, you know, I've talked to them a few times and Marilyn's not in the CMA anymore. And now Carl's not, and it's nothing to do with the nations anymore, but like, is it more fair to the country if I just remove myself from the equation and they can start fresh with like this whole new perspective on it? Or is it because I've done it before and I know that I can do a good job? Is it more fair for me to pursue it and, and keep doing it? Like, I, I don't know what to think about it. Uh, My brain I, is. I'm going to answer that for you. Uh, you do a good job and I think you shouldn't take yourself out of the equation. Okay. How about that? 
Okay. <laughs> I, like I, I, I'm funny because I, uh, obviously in my position, I, I'm not going to take a stand either way politically. I'm just not going to do that. I mean, I just, people have their reasons for doing stuff, angry for this, angry for that. I'm just, you know what? I want the racers at this event and I want the best people taking care of it. And that's, that's just the way I see it. I, I, not that I don't care who does it. Obviously I care, yeah. but I'm about the racers and the racers' families. And that's the, that's the important thing to me. And I think, I think that's uh, the way you would see it too, and I, we'd love to see you do it again. For we, sure. I say we, I'm the, the royal we. we. Thanks, Billy, <laughs> and his worms. I do have I do have three middle names, so I guess I'm a we. <laughs> I'm gonna have to learn them. No, um, I'm with you. I just want them. To, I want them to be able to consistently know year after year that we're going. I don't right. want it to be this. Like, oh, are we going next year? Are we going to be there? This it's always been this carrot that's dangled over the riders, and we haven't got a solid answer. Like, it's always like, oh, we'll have to see, or, oh, well, if you do this, then maybe we'll think about going there. Like, it needs to be something where the riders know consistently year after year that we're going. There needs to be a bank account set up. So if we raise a hundred grand this year and it only costs 70, we have a kitty started for next year. It's not this thing that we're starting over and over again with each each year. I think whoever the team manager is, there has to be at least a three-year term so that they can start to build on it. Like with that youth ambassador program that I started, mm-hmm. I think that was really a big step for a lot of those kids to be able to come to a race overseas or at Redbud and see what a giant event looks like so that we don't just expect them when they become a pro to go and race it and then, oh, Canada sucks. Like that seems to be what always happened in the past. So I think there just has to be like some consistency with it. And of course, I was so proud to do it, and it was it's probably the thing I'm most proud of is doing it for those three years. But what I'm not proud of is all of the drama that came with it and the anxiety and the the bullshit. Like it needs to stop now and moving forward, it just needs to be like this really solid program that the riders deserve to go every single year. Not all the political stuff. Nobody gives a shit about the political stuff. No, nobody does. Only the people arguing about it who nobody else cares. Yeah. Like Nobody else cares about my problems. Nobody no, cares. Nobody cares about... It needs the... to get to the point where it's one one weekend out of the year yep. we want to go to a donations. It shouldn't have to be choosing sides. It shouldn't have to be a big fight. It shouldn't be like... That's what I want it to get to. Yeah. And I, if, I, if it does, amazing. I would love that. But... If it's going to be like, oh, well, you need to choose the FIM or the MRC or the MCC. Like, how many hours of my life I've spent talking to on the phone to the MCC and the <laughs> MIC? Like, all these acronyms, no one even knows who they all are. Are you going to start? Cool, are you going to start singing Eminem lyrics here in a minute? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> that's what I mean. It's absolutely absurd, and all because we want to go to one re- one race out of the year. And volunteer hundreds of hours of my time and fundraise hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's so crazy that it's gotten to this point that it just all needs to stop. Like all the bullshit needs to stop and we just have to get to the race. That's it. I look forward to seeing you in France. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I found a house in France. It's a palace. It's 12 minutes from the track, Billy. But the media doesn't stay there. Damn it. <laughs> uh, don't even get me started about the media. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I won't. I won't. <laughs> I think I got you a place, did I not? In England? Absolutely. Everything has been fantastic. 
Okay, I was going to say, I swear I did. It wasn't at the palace, though, you are correct, but also I didn't even put my own mother in the palace. So <laughs> if had there been an extra room, it would have went to my mama. That's understandable. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding, of course. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. But uh, All right, Courtney. Well, how about um, on that note, we'll see you in France. Okay. Nah. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I just, think the nomination form goes out pretty soon, if I remember correctly. Um, okay. I think the nomination form goes out, and then we'll see. There might be other people that got nominated that the... Because then the CMA board still has to vote on it. Like, even even if I get nominated, the CMA board, they, they ultimately make the decision, so... We shall see. All right. Okay. Well. Okay. Well. Um. All right. Well. How, let's end it there, Courtney. We're uh, we've now gone okay. over the one hour mark. I really appreciate you. I mean, I thought it was just fun to just talk about. I mean, you've just gone to all these races, and I thought, well, you know what? Let's talk to Courtney. Have her tell a bit of a story. Find out where she's been. Well, thanks. Was, yeah. 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 It's been a really fun fall. It's been a lot of learning this fall, and um, you know, I'm grateful to club for the whole experience and I'm the world supercross series. They were amazing to deal with and be a part of it. So it was really special for me. And I appreciate all of your support throughout. I know you always texted me throughout the season and stuff seeing how everything was going. So I appreciate that a lot. Uh, pocket dial, mostly pocket dials. <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> bring me home a souvenir. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I need a new shot glass from Australia. Yeah, exactly. We, we, you know, we free pour here. We free. We don't need those one ounce, you know. <laughs> they probably don't make one ounce ones in Australia, though. No, you're right. They're probably like three and a half. The drinks were. <laughs> All right, Courtney. Well, uh, I'm going to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, Happy New Year, and I will see you at uh, Anaheim One. Yeah, thanks, Billy. You too. Thanks for taking the time, also. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Actually, do you want to? I mean, do you want to thank some people while we got here to finish it off? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, everyone at Club MX for having me be a part of the program. Um, I'm super grateful for the opportunity. I would like to thank my brothers and my family for covering for me at work the whole time. And, you know, Jace and Phil and Kate and Grant for trusting me, especially when, you know, Grant didn't even know who I was, and for them to trust me to take them overseas and put on a whole program for them. I'm, I'm super grateful to that and just everyone that made this fall super fun for me and supported me i appreciate it awesome well thank you very much courtney and uh say hello to randy and your mom for me i will i will <laughs> say hi to him i will definitely do that okay thanks billy all right thank you see you soon okay bye bye bye